Hello, you're listening to Christian Life Issues for today. This is Wayne Mack, your speaker, and we're continuing our series of podcasts on the issue of burnout or discouragement or just weariness. This is number three in the series of podcasts. In my experience as a biblical counselor, I've worked with many people who have described themselves as feeling overwhelmed, inadequate, and unmotivated. They say, I feel disengaged and out of touch with reality. I feel like I'm removed myself from myself, just kind of floating around. These people are describing the experience commonly known as burnout. That scripture refers to as losing heart or growing weary. In the previous podcast, we discussed the nature of this problem and how common it is. We began to consider the seriousness of this problem by looking at two passages. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31 and Ephesians chapter 3. These passages list some of the spiritual blessings that are lost by people experiencing burnout. In this podcast, we'll consider additional consequences of losing heart, things that burnout people start doing as a result of their struggle and things that they stop doing when they have lost heart. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus told a parable to encourage his followers not to lose heart. This parable was on the subject of prayer because Jesus knew that people who lose heart struggle with prayer. Some simply stop praying altogether, thinking that prayer is a pointless exercise since God does not seem to hear or answer. Others continue to pray, but only in a half-hearted way, not expecting any kind of response or result. The parable of Jesus in Luke 18 tells the story of a persistent widow and stubborn judge. The widow repeatedly pleaded with the judge for protection from an oppressor. After refusing her many times, eventually the judge conceded, not because he cared about justice, but simply to make her go away. Jesus concluded the parable with these words, Will not God bring about justice for his elect? who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he was bringing, he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? That's Luke chapter 18, verses 7 and 8. What kind of faith was Jesus referring to here? 
when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? He was talking about faith and believes that God hears and answers prayer. When people lose heart, it's very difficult for them to maintain that kind of faith, a faith that believes God hears and answers prayer. People who are burned out no longer pray with the conviction that God hears them. They no longer pray with the expectation of being answered. If they pray at all, it's empty, obligatory prayer at best. The scripture makes it clear that prayer should be at the center of every Christian's life. And thus anything that interferes with prayer, such as losing heart, is a serious matter. In this parable, Jesus made a lesser to greater argument for the purpose of encouraging his listeners to maintain faith. He pointed out that if an unrighteous judge would grant a widow's request simply because of her persistence, how much more will our Heavenly Father, who wants to give us good things, listen to and answer our prayers? People who have lost heart, however, do struggle with prayer. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul revealed four more things that a person who has lost heart will start doing. Therefore, he said, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. The word but in this passage indicates a contrast between what people who have lost heart and those who have not lost heart will do. First, Paul said that those who lose heart start to approve and accept shameful things. In other words, they start to practice sinful things that they know are wrong and wish to conceal from others. They no longer condemn sinful, shameful practices as they did before. They're like the people that Paul spoke of in Romans chapter 1 and verse 32. The Bible says, although they knew the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but they also give hearty approval to those who practice them. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 19 says much the same. It says that when people whose God is their appetite and whose glory is their shame, they set their minds on earthly things. These are people who glory in, they enjoy shameful things. They've lowered their standards and started to excuse behavior that they once knew to be sinful. Second, people who have lost heart, according to this text, start walking in craftiness. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2. 
What does Paul mean by craftiness? This same word is used in several other places in Scripture. First, it's found in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, the Greek version of the Old Testament, where the Word of God says that Satan deceived Eve by his craftiness or by his subtlety and cleverness. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14, this word is used to describe how immature Christians can be easily turned aside from godliness. As a result, the Bible says we are no longer to be children tossed to and fro here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness in deceitful scheming. And then in Luke chapter 20, verses 19 through 23, the same word is used to describe the Pharisees' attempt to trick Jesus by pretending to be righteous and sincere in their questions when really they were attempting to draw him into making a statement that they could use against him before the Roman authorities. Jesus, of course, detected their trickery and answered them accordingly. Luke chapter 20 and verse 23, if you want to look it up. In the same way, those who have lost heart often become crafty. They may pretend to be what they're not. They may lie and deceive, and they may be selfish in all their thinking. They sometimes become dishonest about what's going on in their lives, about their motives, about their spiritual needs. To some extent, they may even deceive themselves about what they want and what they're capable of doing. I once worked with a man who was a licensed psychologist, a university professor, and a declared atheist. By God's grace, he came to a saving knowledge of Christ while on a trip to Europe, and his life was completely turned around. Though he had questioned the validity of secular psychology even before becoming a Christian, he was convinced of the supremacy of God's word in healing lives after he met Jesus. We worked together in a counseling center. One day, as I walked down the hallway, I heard him say to someone in his office, show me the blood, show me the blood. When I asked him what he was doing, when he said that, he explained that he had been counseling someone who repeatedly claimed to want to change, but did not. My colleague was using Hebrews 12 and verse 4, which says, You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. He challenged his counselee that though he claimed to want to change, he was not serious. If he were serious, he would both desire to change and be willing to do whatever it took to bring about that change, even to the point of personal pain and sacrifice. In the previous verse, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 3, the writer says, For consider him 
who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. People who have lost heart, who are burned out, are not willing to resist sin sacrificially. They claim to desire holiness, but they are deceitful and crafty in their lives. They deceive themselves, and they seek to deceive others because they're not willing to face the truth about their sin. The Apostle Paul pointed out that people who have lost heart often start to adulterate the Word of God. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2. To adulterate something means to weaken and corrupt it by introducing impurities. In other words, burned out people sometimes want the Bible plus something else. They weaken the Word of God by adding it to their own opinions and the opinions of others. Sometimes they seek to diminish its relevancy by pointing out its age, or they seek to diminish its supremacy by misinterpreting and distorting its message. They may also adulterate the Word of God in their lives by avoiding what bothers them. They would rather not hear good preaching and teaching. And so they turn away from good preaching and teaching. That is accurate preaching and teaching. And when they do hear it, they excuse themselves from its message and from conviction by convincing themselves that it doesn't apply to them or their situation. They treat the Bible like a buffet line reading and listening to what appeals to them and ignoring the rest as being irrelevant to their lives. In contrast, Paul says that he and his fellow ministers of the gospel are by the manifestation of truth commending themselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. In other words, Because he held fast to the truth of God's word and did not attempt to conform it or distort it to his own or anyone else's desires, Paul did not lose heart. People who lose heart are susceptible to changing the truth and even turning to lies to satisfy their sinful desires. They may become like the people that Paul described in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. He said, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate to themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths. These are people who live only to fulfill their own desires. They are, according to Titus chapter 3 and verse 3, disobedient, deceived, and slave to various lusts and pleasures. This brings us to the fourth point that Paul makes regarding people who have lost heart. They are focusing 
solely on their own desires rather than God's desires. They're willing to do things that they feel they have to, like getting up for work every morning, buying, paying taxes, and performing other unpleasant but necessary tasks. But they're not willing to do necessary spiritual things. They fail to pray, fail to read the Bible, go to church because they say they have no desire for these things, whereas in truth, they fail to obey because they don't desire to obey. God calls us to obedience whether we like it or not. Sometimes it's only the force of our will that gets us out and causes us to get on our knees and pray or turn to the Word of God. But we do it because we are obedient. When we excuse ourselves from the things of the Lord, such as praying, hearing the Word of God, reading the Word of God, when we do that because we do not feel a desire for those things, we're making a God out of our lusts, the lusts of our flesh. Paul said that people will search out for themselves pastors and preachers who will tell them the things that they want to hear so that they will not have to listen to those that they ought to hear. One day, we'll all stand before the judgment seat of God, and at that point, we'll no longer matter what we liked or disliked. It will no longer matter what we did on this earth for ourselves. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse 10 says, So then, I have seen the wicked buried, those who need to go in and out from the holy place, and they are soon forgotten in the city where they did their living. They didn't do what they should have done because they didn't feel like doing it. Solomon is saying in this verse that the deeds of people who care only about man's approval, who go to church only to be seen by people, will be forgotten as soon as they die. How often do we think about the fact that whatever our reputation is among men will soon be forgotten when we die. It's foolish to live for the praise of men. It's also foolish to think that we can get away with sin that is not punished on this earth. As the next verse teaches, because the sentence of, of God against an evil deed is not executed quickly, Therefore, the hearts of the sons of men are given fully to do evil. Though people may not face the consequences of their sins on earth, they will surely face them in the hereafter. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 17 reads, For we are not like many, 
peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity, as from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. Paul knew that his life was always always fully in God's sight, and he lived accordingly. So too is the life of every person. God knows our hearts. We may be able to fool men while we're alive, but we will never fool God. Thus our main concern ought to be what God desires of us. Paul said that because he was always in the sight of God and because he was united to Christ, he would not peddle the word of God. A peddler is someone who wheels and deals to sell his wares. He lowers his price and throws in extras and generally does anything he possibly can to draw in a buyer. In the same way, someone who peddles the word of God cuts corners from the truth, waters down the truth, and adds to the truth to make it more acceptable to listeners. He is more concerned about being accepted and having his message accepted than about speaking the truth at any cost. Being consumed by personal desires and lusts, ignoring the truth of God's word is a dangerous consequence of losing heart. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we also learn some things that people stop doing when they lose heart. For one, that passage indicates that people who lose heart stop believing God's word. It says, but having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, therefore have I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. When people cease to believe God's word, they question the truth of God's word. And as a result, they stop preaching Christ boldly and stop living as his servants. In verse 5 of chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, we read that we do not preach ourselves. I'm sorry, that's verse 5. We do not preach ourselves, but we preach Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Burned out people deny Christ as Lord. They are their own masters. People who are burned out also stop thinking biblically. They stop speaking biblically. They stop thinking biblically about their trials and about their difficulties. In verses 7 through 9 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul gives a marvelous illustration of what his life looked like through God's eyes. That is, an opportunity to be witnessed to the greatest treasure that there is. That's what his life looked like. An opportunity to be a witness 
the greatest treasure there is. He said, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Paul experienced persecution and affliction, the likes of which most of us, by God's grace, will never begin to know. However, despite these problems, he was able to keep his life in perspective because he knew that God's good purpose was being accomplished by his trials. Because he knew that God would never forsake him, he did not despair. On the other hand, people who lose heart or people who feel the way that Paul described his life as being afflicted in every way, perplexed, persecuted, struck down, but the difference is, in contrast to Paul, they do despair and they feel that God has forsaken them. They lose hope and allow themselves to be destroyed by their problems. Not looking at problems biblically flows out of the loss of eternal perspective that we discussed previously in chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians. Paul said he did not lose heart, for he remembered that momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. Burned out people forget that the best is yet to come. They are short-sighted, looking only at the sometimes painful and difficult events of today rather than being mindful of and focusing on future glory. In verse 15, Paul said of his ministry, For all things are for your sakes, because he knew that by serving others, he was really serving Christ Jesus. Jesus said, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. That's Matthew chapter 25, verse 40. Paul called all believers to do the same, teaching and living the commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 14. People who lose heart, however, fail to see service to others as being a great privilege. They no longer see their work as a means to glorify God as Paul did. He said so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 15. 
Burned out people view their trials and difficulties selfishly, not biblically. And finally, Paul says of people who have lost heart that they stop doing good. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 13, Paul gave this warning to those who might lose heart. As for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. In a previous verse, Paul said that he had heard that some of the Thessalonians were leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. That is 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 11. People who lose heart stop serving others and focus instead on themselves. They become complainers and busybodies, thinking about what others should be doing for them rather than what they should be doing for others and for God. Paul exhorted the Galatians in the same way. He wrote, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we shall reap, we will reap, if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of the faith as found in Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. When people lose heart, they stop doing good to other people. Paul repeated this phrase, doing good, several times in his epistles. But what does doing good involve? 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 10 describes for us part of what it means to do good. Paul taught Timothy that widows of a certain age were to be cared for by the church if they had a reputation for good works. Paul went on to expound on what good works included. If she has brought up her children, if she has shown hospitality to strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has assisted those in distress, and if she has devoted herself to every good work. When people lose heart, they frequently cease doing these good works for other people. Burned out parents neglect their responsibility to care for their children. Burned out people do not reach out to strangers with the gospel. They do not perform mental tasks studying the Word of God for the church and for other believers. They don't look for ways to help others who are in need, providing food and clothing and visiting the sick. They're not devoted to service or passionate about doing things for the Lord and for other people. In Acts chapter 9, we have a description of a woman who did the kinds of good works that Paul mentioned to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 5. Luke wrote that Dorcas, Luke who wrote the book of Acts, 
and Paul is referring to that kind of thing. But Luke, when he was writing the book of Acts, said of Dorcas that she was abounding with deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did. That's Acts chapter 9, verse 36. In verse 39, Luke mentioned that some of her good works were that all the widows stood beside Peter weeping and showing all the tunics and the garments that Dorcas used to make while she was with them, that is, before her death. Dorcas was skilled at sewing, and she apparently used that skill to serve the Lord by providing clothes for those in need. This woman had not lost heart in her ministry. She had not become weary in doing good. She used what skills she had for the benefit of other people. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16, teaches us a little more about doing good. It says, And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with what such sacrifices God is pleased. Indeed, sharing with others is doing good. And sharing that pleases God is sacrificial. In other words, God wants us to give to others, not just out of our surplus, but to the point of sacrifice, meaning that it will cost us something. If we study the previous verses in this passage, we learn that doing good also involves letting the love of the brethren continue, that is, showing hospitality to strangers and remembering prisoners. It involves keeping our marriage vows, being sexually pure. It includes not being greedy and not making an idol of material things. It means encouraging and supporting the elders and other leaders of the church. And it involves following their example of godliness and not being carried away by false teachings. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. Still further, the writer of Hebrews said that it is a good work to be strengthened by grace and to continually offer up sacrifice of praise to God. It is doing good to submit to leaders, especially the church leadership. Hebrews chapter 13 tells us that. Good works means to pray for the leaders because they keep watch over your souls as those who minister. In fact, it is a good work to pray for all who minister the word of God that they may be kept pure and honorable in all things. That's Hebrews chapter 13, verses 9 through 18. People who have lost heart no longer do these good works. And so a lack of good works in someone's life is often a sign of a struggle with spiritual burnout. Lack of good works is really a symptom 
of a far greater problem. Though it's wrong for any believer to neglect good works, the heart problem of burnout that is behind this symptom is a most serious matter. Burnout is a common problem, and it is a very serious problem. It has serious consequences for the lives of believers, and we must be on guard to not allow ourselves to give in to the temptation to lose heart. In the future podcast, we'll study how to prevent spiritual burnout, and we will also consider how to recover from spiritual burnout if we're already experiencing this problem in our lives and how to rekindle and maintain the flame of devotion and enthusiasm for Christ. God has a solution to the problem of burnout, and we can know and understand it if we're willing to let his spirit work in our hearts and in our lives. Well, let me give you some application questions as we bring this podcast to a conclusion. What is the symptom of burnout that the parable that Jesus taught in Luke chapter 18 is teaching? That's a question. Consider it. What is that symptom of burnout? Another question to consider as you apply the truths of this podcast. What are four symptoms of spiritual burnout that Paul mentions in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. You might want to stop and look at that passage and identify the four symptoms. I talked about them, but go back and review them. What are they? And then another application question. What do 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 9, verse 13 and 17 and 18 indicate? Look at it in your Bible. What do they indicate often happens to people when they're experiencing spiritual burnout? And then another application question. When a professing Christian stops or slow down, slows down in doing good works, What's one way of diagnosing and analyzing the reason for that stoppage or that slowdown? We talked about it in this podcast. What was it? And then another application question. And the point is, unless you apply the word of God when you hear it taught or when you read it, then it's of no use. The question is, what symptoms of spiritual burnout are suggested by Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9 and 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 13. Look at those passages. We mentioned them in this podcast, but go back and look at those passages. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 13. And then another application question. What kind of good works do people experiencing spiritual burnout stop doing? What are those good works that people stop doing? We noted what the good works were in several passages. Well, what are those good works that people stop doing? And then 
A seventh application question is, have you ever personally experienced any of the symptoms of spiritual burnout that we discussed in this podcast? Review them and be honest in examining yourself. And then, which of the symptoms mentioned in this podcast have you most often, most frequently experienced? And then ask yourself, were the symptoms mild, moderate, or severe, or even non-existent? Have you never really had the experience of being burned out with some of its symptoms? And then another question, when, if you did experience these symptoms, did you understand that they might have been related? Did you identify them as being related to spiritual burnout? Think about that. Examine yourself. And then a final question for this podcast. How can the information presented in this podcast about spiritual burnout be of practical help in your own life as well as in your ministry to other people. Oh, may God help us to be honest, to examine ourselves in the light of the teaching of this podcast, and also to examine ourselves using the questions that I've given to you at the end of this podcast. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that from the Word of God, spiritual burnout is a serious problem. It certainly hinders our service for you. It hinders us and causes us to adulterate the word of God. It causes us to slow down in our efforts to serve other people in our devotion to you. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to be honest. And if we are or if we ever do experience spiritual burnout, if you'll help us to see it as something that's serious Repent of it, get right with you, and have the flame of love and devotion and enthusiasm for you rekindled to the point where we shall be people who are zealous for service for the Lord, for exalting you, and for ministering to other people. Help us to that end, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.